to continue in our I Follow Jesus uh, series this morning, and we'll get there in just a minute. But I want to share something with you first. As a rule, <clears throat> I don't like to talk about other churches, and I especially uh, don't usually do that on a Sunday morning. I mean, people might come and ask me about another church or what I think about this, and and I might have a conversation and share, but you rarely, almost never would hear me talk about another church on a Sunday morning from this position. But this morning, um, I want to make an exception. There is a church that I've heard about, that I've been reading about, that I feel something needs to be said about. Some of you have also heard about this church, and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, others of you haven't and may not know what I'm talking about, and that's okay. That's fine. You can just sit and listen for a few minutes. But this church is seemingly world-known, and especially since we are in a series on the Holy Spirit, as your pastors, we felt like it would be irresponsible not to say something about it. Uh, I've not been there to this church, but from what I can gather and from what I read, it seems to be known, uh, perhaps in fact pride itself on visible and vocal manifestations of the Spirit. There are reports of healings, people giving words of prophecy, speaking in other unknown tongues in pretty much every worship service, which we as a a Holy Spirit, as Valentina just led in prayer, welcoming, charismatic, Pentecostal church. We're, we're open to all those things. And people are drawn to things like that, things that are unusual. And uh, they seem to be drawing Christians to these services. But from what I'm reading, the church services are as much like a circus as they are a worship service. There's no order. There's confusion. The thing that is so often the case in places like this is that people are drawing attention to themselves, not being concerned about other people. I've heard that their services often even conclude with a, with a large meal, which is a nice idea. It's probably attracting people to the church, but even the meals become a problem. People just and gorge themselves and don't share with others or even think about people who this might be their only decent meal of the week. And I can't imagine with unbelievers who might walk into such a place might think about Christians, unchurched people. They must think Christians are crazy and selfish if they walk into a situation like this. So as your pastor, I'm telling you to watch out for this church. Like I said, I don't usually talk about other churches like this but I think I need to. And so if you come across this church, it's located in Corinth, Greece in the first century. Just be careful about it. If you happen to be walking there. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, would you? We're going to look at a church that had some issues, had some problems. Felt a little uncomfortable for a minute, didn't you? Paul is writing a letter to the Corinthians. Let me just give you a little. So we have this Bible 
and God has given it to us and he's revealed himself to us in many ways through it. There's all kinds of different genres of literature in the Bible. You've got narrative, uh, you've got history, you've got poetry, you've got something called apocalyptic literature, which is kind of things about the future. But then you've also got letters. God used people writing letters to reveal who he is to us, to reveal things about himself to us. And those are included in the Bible too. So Corinthians is one of those letters. It's written to a church, Corinth, Greece, in the first century by the apostle Paul. And so by being a letter, uh, as you can imagine, some of the letters in the New Testament were written in general, sometimes just to general Christians. But many of them were written to individuals or to a particular church in a particular place. And that's the case with Corinth. So what you can imagine, if you were writing a letter, you're going to address certain and particular concerns that are going on in that place at that time. Now, we're only getting one side of the conversation. We didn't get the other letter or any of the other correspondences from Corinth to Paul. But we also, from the letter, what we can gather is the exact circumstances that Paul is trying to address. Now, those particular circumstances aren't going to be the same that we're dealing with, and yet we can draw some general principles from the teaching that Paul gives them. Paul's concerns are not necessarily our concerns, but we have some concerns. These chapters we're going to be looking at in 1 Corinthians, chapters 12 through 14. Chapters 12, verse 1 starts off with these words. Paul says, now about spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. And I would say that as we start this message this morning at Mount Hope. Now about spiritual gifts, Mount Hope in Burlington in the 21st century and 2022, I do not want you to be uninformed. And so we're going to look at that this morning in a series about the Holy Spirit. But Paul has some very different concerns as he's writing to Corinth than we might have in, in our particular church today. Paul was concerned that the church had so many people, especially using vocal spiritual gifts, at the same time that there was confusion for the believers... There was an obstacle for unbelievers, and there was possibly even a foothold for the devil to get involved in the church. And so he had concerns. So he wrote to them to try and bring order to the situation in general and into their worship services in particular. How did he do this? Well, some of the advice he gave them, some of the directives he gave them in chapter 14 was, hey, if someone speaks in an unknown language, an unknown tongue, well, then someone else in the body should interpret if this is in a corporate setting because otherwise no one knows what's being said and it's not edifying to the body. He says that when someone speaks in tongues in a worship service, he says you should limit that to three people in a worship service. Now, as I said, Paul's concerns are not necessarily our concerns. We did not have more than three people speak in tongues this morning in our worship service that I know of. So it's a different situation that Paul's concerns, he had different concerns that we have, and yet I do not want you to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. And so what can we learn from these couple of chapters? I think one thing we learn is this, that God has given spiritual gifts to his church. This is clear. God has given spiritual gifts to his 
church. And we're in this, uh, we're in this series, I Follow Jesus, and each week we've given you a question. So the question for this week is, I follow Jesus, but what am I supposed to do? And spiritual gifts is part of an answer to that. What are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to recognize some of the gifts that God has given you. So God has given spiritual gifts to his church. Look at chapter 12, beginning in verse 4. Paul writes this to the church at Corinth. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. As we talk about the Holy Spirit, one of the things we have to understand is God has given spiritual gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit to his church. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you have been given the Holy Spirit. We talked about that in the first week. When you follow Jesus Christ, you not only receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he gives. You can think about it when you're physically born, you have certain abilities and maybe skills and gifts. When you are spiritually reborn, the Holy Spirit also gives you gifts to serve and to be used. You may not think you have spiritual gifts, but if you follow Jesus and you're a part of the church and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you do have spiritual gifts that God wants to use in his church. But not only God has given spiritual gifts to his church, God has given spiritual gifts for his church. And this is an important point. And in fact, it's one of the main points that Paul is making in Corinth, but I think it's also one of the main points that easily transfers to us that we need to understand that actually the gifts that you are given are not for you. They are for the church. They're not for you, they're for us together as the church. Chapter 12, verse 7 says this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for, say these next words with me, the common good. They're not for you individually. They are for the church. They're for the common good. They're for building us up as the body of Christ. So when you have a spiritual gift given to you, it's not to elevate you. It's not to raise your name up. It's not to bring attention to yourself. It is to build up the Christians. It's to build up those who are part of the body of Christ. So with that thinking, if you don't use your spiritual gift by extension, you may think you're only hurting yourself, but that's not true. You're actually keeping something from us that God has given to you for us as a church. And I think sometimes we think, well, I'm not going to use this. You know, I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep, you know, hold back a little bit. I'm not going to stay involved. I'm just going to stay and fill my seat and leave. That's probably, you know, I won't cause any trouble. And yet we miss out. 
when you don't use the gift that God gave you for God's glory and to build up his church? Could look something like this, where maybe you have a conversation or maybe you come to one of our business meetings or maybe you have a conversation with, with myself or one of our other board members or something and you're having a conversation about how the church is organized and handling some things and maybe putting some strategies together. And you hear this and, and you walk away and you shake your head a little bit and you're like, oh, that's not the way they should go about this. I think it should be, you know, it's a much better way to go about this and organize this and have this strategy. And, and I was, I, you know, there's a much easier way to do it. But you just shake your head and you go home and then you get up on Monday morning and you go and lead your multi-million dollar business or you go and lead your team of 10, 20, 30 or hundreds of people and you never use your gift of administration or your spiritual gift of leadership in the church, and we lose out, and we miss out. Well, I heard of one pastor who talked about the fact in church there was a piano player who was not a very good piano player. It was the only piano player they could find. And one, and one day this guy uh, you know, this, this man goes home and he's talking to his family about how terrible the piano player is. Obviously not at our church. How terrible the piano player is. And then he goes home and leads beautiful music on the keyboard for his family. And the church never gets to receive his gift. You may think if you don't share your spiritual gift with the church that you're only hurting yourself, but you're actually hurting us. That we might miss out on the gift the Lord has given you. Not only is it for the church, though, it's to be used in a certain way, and this is where the Corinthians were really getting it wrong, is it is not, we're not using their gift in love. They were not using their gift in love. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we've just been looking at is all about the spiritual gifts. Paul gives all kinds of examples about the gifts and how important they are. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is all about spiritual gifts, specifically about tongues and prophecy and how they're to be used in a corporate worship service. All right, so you hear what I said? 12 is about spiritual gifts. 14 is about spiritual gifts. Now I'm going to give you some math here. What comes between 12 and 14? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about? Right, weddings and marriages and that's what we think, right? That's what, because the last time you heard 1 Corinthians 13, it was read at a wedding. Some of you are like, what's 1 Corinthians 13? It's that passage you hear at the wedding that says love is. But if 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is about spiritual gifts and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts, what do you think 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about? It's absolutely about spiritual gifts. Now, that being said, if you come to me and ask me to do your wedding and to read 1 Corinthians 13 as a part of it, I will be happy to do that. Because two people living together in marriage ought to love each other this way too. But it's really talking about the way the church ought to love each other. So here's the background of the passage. You have a church that had all these spiritual gifts that were using them almost as mile markers to elevate people in certain spiritual gifts. Well, I speak in tongues. Well, I prophesy. 
Well, I have a word of knowledge. Well, I have, and it's just this, this way they're raising the bar, like trying to hold that over each other. They're envying each other. They are, uh, you know, holding these things up as markers of their maturity. And Paul is saying what you're doing is not good. So now with that background, listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Maybe it sounds a little different than the last wedding you heard it at. Because it starts out like this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. At a wedding, you think, well, he's just being poetic. No, he's talking very specifically. If you speak in tongues, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have, the gift of generosity and giving, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now listen to the list in the context of how they were treating the spiritual gifts. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Now, listen to this part that is always skipped in the wedding, right? This is the part where the couple will come to me and say, can we leave out verses 8 through 12 and then just jump to 13? That's always the conversation. Listen to, verse, listen to these verses. As for the prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So what he's saying is, look, there's going to be a time where you're going to see Jesus face to face. There's going to be a time when you're going to be gone from this world. Your body's going to be glorified. You're going to be with Jesus. And in that time, you don't need tongues. You don't need prophecy. You don't need a word of knowledge. You don't need any of these things. Those things are all going to pass away because you're going to be in Jesus' presence. But you know what still will be there? So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. You know what's still going to be there is love. And so if you are using these gifts to the neglect of love, you are using them improperly. And so Paul clarifies very clearly in this passage that yes, God gave spiritual gifts to his church. They are for his church, and they are to be used in love. There's a diversity of gifts. He definitely mentioned in this passage, but that diversity must never lead to division. So there's a part of chapter 12 we're not reading this morning, but he uses the illustration of the body, that you have one body, but you got hands, legs, 
eyes, ears. They all have different parts, but it's one body. And he says, that's how the church is. The hand can't say that it's more important than the eye or the foot more important than the ear. You need this all to make one body. And it's like that with the gifts within the church. For the church, one other thing I want to say about gifts is this. The church, we learned in COVID, one of the things we learned is that, the, well, we knew this before, but it, one of the places of our theology that COVID really tested is the idea that the church is not a building. I mean, we always say that, oh, the church is not a building. It's a people. But COVID really tested that real quick to, is the church a building or is it people? And so we learned real quick to recognize that part of our theology, that the church is not a building. But I think there's another part of the theology of church that sometimes we may get wrong. The church is not a building, but the church is also not a worship service. It's not just a Sunday morning hour and 15 minute gathering that that's church. That is when a church comes together and gathers, but that is not the church. The church is these gather these local believers called out by Jesus Christ who follow Jesus Christ who are committed to him and committed to one another in their local assembly all the time throughout the week. That is the church. And so we have to be careful when we're talking about spiritual gifts to think that, well, I have to use these spiritual gifts on an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes, sometimes an hour and 30 minutes on Sunday mornings. Like that is not, the church is throughout, the, we're to serve one another throughout the week. And so you might have a gift of mercy or a gift of helps or a gift of leadership or maybe you've got a word of knowledge that you're sitting across the table with someone during the week having coffee and God uses that spiritual gift. So we are, we are given these gifts to serve the church, but don't mistake church for church service. We have to serve one another. So God has given us these gifts for the church. Finally, as a part of God's church, you should desire spiritual gifts. You should desire spiritual gifts. Chapter 14, verse 1 says this, pursue love. So remember, we just finished chapter 13 talking about love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We're not getting into all of 14, but the reason Paul says prophesy is because there was so much confusion going on with tongues and not being able to understand that prophecy is something, a word given in your own language that people understand. And in a corporate worship setting, Paul says that is more appropriate in a corporate worship setting because you need to edify the body of Christ. And so prophecy should be something you seek in that context, but he says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. So if you come from a tradition or you hold a belief that says, well, the spiritual gifts were only for something in the first century, only for Paul's day, they're not for today, you've got to figure out what you're going to do with this verse from 1 Corinthians 14, where he says, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. And I've heard all the arguments. I'd happy to have a conversation with you. I just don't believe that God said, well, these, they need these gifts in the first century, but they won't need them in the 21st century. I just don't see anything in Scripture that leads us in that way. In fact, we need the gifts in the 21st century perhaps even more than they were ever needed. We need these gifts. The church needs these gifts. The world around us that we're trying to reach, the mission that we are on 
to accomplish cannot be, should not be accomplished apart from the gifts that God gives to his church. And so he gives these gifts. You say, what are the gifts? Well, there's three lists that Paul gives, but I don't think any of them are exhaustive or intended to be exhaustive. One list is here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's another list in Romans chapter 12. And there's another few listed in Ephesians. I don't believe any of the lists are intended to be an exhaustive list or even compiling them together makes them an exhaustive list. I think Paul is saying here are some of the gifts that the Spirit gives the church. One reason I would say that is because in, in, the, in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, we see God gifting two men as craftsmen to build the tabernacle. And it says the Spirit of God fell on them to enable them to craft this tabernacle. So that is a spiritual gift of craftsmanship. And that's not in any of the lists we have in the New Testament, but I believe that's a spiritual gift that God gives to be used for his glory. So some of the gifts uh, and offices, they kind of overlap. Apostles, which is someone who carries the word into a place where it's never been. Prophets. Let me just say a word about prophets because I think we get confused about this a little bit. The difference between, uh, we often think of prophecy and prophets as foretelling. By that we mean telling the future. And they, they did that a little bit. But honestly, the major role of a prophet is foretelling. Forthtelling. Now, that doesn't mean they said it three times and then they say it once more. <laughs> Forthtelling, F-O-R-T-H telling, they are proclaiming something that is true and something that is aligned with God's word and giving a fit word for the moment. And so if you read through people like Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah or Isaiah, you'll read that, yeah, there are some times when they're talking about the future, Jeremiah will say, in 70 years, you'll return to the land. That's foretelling. But the vast majority of the book of Jeremiah is foretelling. This is what the Lord has said to you, and you're not doing it. This is the word's Lord to you. This is the word of the Lord to you. You need to return to it. This is, it's foretelling. It's proclamation. Here's what God says to you. And so the gift of prophecy in the church is much that too. There is some foretelling. I'm not going to put that. I think God still does that, but much of it is foretelling. Teachers are a gift. Miracles are a gift. Uh, helps. Service is a gift. Administration. Giving. Healing. Leadership. Faith. Pastor. Teacher. Shepherd. These are all gifts that the Spirit gives to the church. Not an exhaustive list but some of the lists, some of the gifts that God gives to the church. You've been given a gift. God gave gifts to the church. He gave them for the church. And you and I are to earnestly seek the gifts. And so I wanted this morning as our worship team comes, ask you, what is the gift that God has given you for his church? You are not meant to be a casual observer to the gifts. You are meant to be an active participant. So how do you know your gift? You can take gift tests and assessment, and there are some of those, and we even thought of giving you one this Sunday morning and handing it out and even having you do it in the service. We decided against that, partly because I thought, what would Paul say if we gave out gifts assessments during the service? It just doesn't seem like something Paul would do. 
they can be helpful, but we're not going to do that this morning. How do you know? Well, you listen. You listen to the Holy Spirit. You step out in faith, and then you listen to the Holy Spirit. And you step out in faith, and you listen to the Holy Spirit, and you listen to other people around you who are a little further along on the journey than you are. And you step out in places that you believe the Lord is calling. Maybe gifts. Any of these gifts I've mentioned, or there's others too that are there. I was thinking about, well, how did this work in my life? And I thought, well, I think I have a gift of teaching or God gave me that. And I thought, well, how did that start? It didn't start with, all right, God gave me the gift of teaching, pastor, step aside. I'm on this Sunday. It didn't go like that. It happened to be, I think God may be calling me and gifted me to teaching. Start with a group of kids probably it started with. And then maybe a small group and then maybe a class and maybe a Sunday morning, Sunday night when we used to have those, Sunday night service preaching. And it was, let's see, just step out and try it. Let's see if God blesses this. Let's see what the Holy Spirit says. Let's see what other people who follow Jesus closely in the same direction but are a little further along down the road say, like, is this affirmed in the body of Christ? And you step out and you try it and you use it and you see if it blesses and builds the body of Christ up. I was thinking this week, you know, again, about, I just speak from my personal experience. There's one that I wouldn't have immediately thought of as a spiritual gift, I think the Lord has used in me over the years. But as I considered the list, I thought, you know what? There have been times when I've been sitting in a meeting with someone and just sitting across the table and I, I'm always constantly praying in, the, in meetings and asking the Holy Spirit to lead. And there'll be times where I'll say something, I'll say, you know what? I don't know where this is coming from. I don't know if this is true. And I don't know if, if this resonates with you, but you know, I just want to put this out there and I'll say something and there have been a few times where someone would say, yeah, um, I didn't, haven't told anyone that. And how did you know that? And I would say, I didn't know that. But the Holy Spirit gave that to me. And that's a word of knowledge that at times, not all the time, not even often, that I think the Lord has used me. And, and you step out and you, you put it out there and you trust God. And then you, and you see if God blesses it. And, you, and that's, it's not, I can't give you one, two, three you know, here's how it works. I'm not, I can't put the Holy Spirit in a box for you. I can't put God's work, God's work in a little org chart for you. I just can't. It's the Holy Spirit moves where he moves. And you and I need to listen. I'm concerned, Paul's concerns are different than our concerns. That's what I started out saying. Paul was concerned about the misuse of spiritual gifts. I am concerned that the church body is missing out on spiritual gifts that we need. My concern is not the misuse of the gifts, but the neglect of the gifts in this church. Paul's concerned they're misused. We may be concerned they're being neglected. I don't think he would write Paul to Mount Hope in the 21st century the same letter he wrote to the Corinthians. Paul's concerns and all our concerns. He would tell us, I believe, God gives gifts to the church. They're for the church, and you ought to earnestly seek them. 
because we need them. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. I'm going to ask you to take out something to write with or maybe take out your phone to type in and maybe your phone's better because I'm also going to put a text number up here that you can use. I want to do this for the next few minutes. I want to give you some space for the Holy Spirit just to speak to you because we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit. I can't like just stand up here and talk. We need to allow room for the Spirit to move and the Spirit to work and the Spirit to speak to you. And so I want you to take a few minutes, think about what you've heard and just spend some time. I'm not going to ask you to say, I want you to stay seated as we're led and, 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 and just listen for the word of the Spirit to you. Maybe you'll ask God, what are the gifts that you've given me? Maybe you know, but you'd say, God, I've been neglecting that gift or I've been keeping it to myself. I wanna, I'd love for us to share with the body some of what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. So here's a text number for us. And is if you, when you're, as you're listening to the Spirit, maybe you text in and say, I believe this is the gift God has given me for the church. I believe, God, it's going to be anonymous. I want to read a few of those at the end of just after this time. Just so we can see and hear some of the gifts that God has put within the body. I'm not going to, they'll be anonymous, but I want to share it. Or maybe you'll say, this is what God is saying to me. Or this is what I think God would say to the church or to me. So take a few minutes and listen and write. Lord, thank you for your spirit that gives gifts to your church, and we are your church. And so you've given gifts to us as we earnestly seek you and earnestly seek your gifts. Would you speak to us, make it clear some of the gifts you've given to us for your church in this time. In Jesus' name.